0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to A Conversation for One. First things first, uh, happy New Year's. Um, I know it's a little late. It's the fifth as a, as of now while well, I'm recording, but I hope you guys all had uh, an excellent last few days of uh, 2018 as well. I hope uh, these first few days of 2019 and the rest of it um, have been good and, well, are good to you trying something new here uh, for this first episode. It's kind of scripted. Usually when I do my episodes, they are scripted to a certain amount, but I usually either A, run out of time, or B, I just get carried away, as I often do, and they stray a little bit. But as I talk like Barack Obama apparently with the... um, uh, and I need to... uh, as he talks like that, it's, uh, it's a little rough. But I find that I cut out a lot of the, and a lot of the, um, and, uh, likes, which is like natural for speaking, but oh my God, editing, it's brutal. It's honestly brutal just to constantly cut that stuff out. Yeah. So I was hoping to get this episode out by the 31st or even the first even, but it just didn't happen. Um, it for one reason or another, mostly because a, I put it off. Uh, usually I say it's time or family or life, and it was some of those things, but I just could not get in the mood to do a new, a new one, which isn't ideal to get listeners, but I had the best intentions. I promise that. Um, I just, yeah, I couldn't find the time and more specifically, not inspiration, but the want, like the dedication, I guess, to get a new episode out. But again, I'm sure you're tired of hearing the song. I say it like the last two, three episodes and like multiple Instagram posts. So just trust me, the consistency of the show will be getting discussed later because I'm definitely thinking of trying something new for the show. Um, Maybe getting like a schedule, um, constantly posting, maybe like, let's say I'm going to do an episode. Let's say I'm going to finish the Tron. I'm going to do volume two of Tron. I'll post maybe like a week before um, that I'm going to be doing that. Then I'll post again with like a follow up and then the episode will come out. So I'm maybe thinking like an episode and maybe a mini sode or two episodes, but at least like two episodes a month. But I'll, I'll get into that later. It can't be like boom, three episodes, boom, three episodes, boom, no episodes, boom, one episode. Yeah, it can't really be like that um just because like the followers and the listeners y'all go like up and down up and down and it's uh it's not great but enough about that though let's get the show on the road this episode is going to be a bit of a different one uh not quite a topic free for all but kind of like a scatterbrain episode um more along the lines of like a year end review also like that's what originally it started out as when i was writing this up um but yeah, as well as a few, as well as a few other things, uh, I'm gonna be talking about some other stuff too, some Christmas gifts, um, some movies I've seen recently, like actually going to the theater, which is like kind of a big deal for me because lately I just, I can't seem to get out there. But I've seen a couple things now, so I'm gonna talk about those. Um, but yeah, definitely a year in review. It's not gonna be like best of 2018, it's gonna be like, my best of 2018 like stuff I was listening to it might be like from the 70s it might be or not just listening I'm gonna talk about like some movies some films maybe some books um probably not tv I might I might I I watched a few shows so I'll talk about that I guess a little bit but um yeah uh, it's going to be, yeah, all over the place. I'm going to have some new films because I did actually see some new films, uh, like 2017, but some new 2018 films. And uh, yeah, so I'll talk about that, but that'll be a little bit later on. So anyways, let's just jump right into this. Um, let's. I'm going to talk about something that's been on my mind for a bit now. Uh, that's, well, up until yesterday, which I will talk about that in a sec too. The most recent blockbuster I've seen, which is um, Bumblebee. If you haven't seen it yet, just be warned i'm most definitely going to be heading into spoiler territory so right off the hop let me say that this film was surprisingly very good as far as the spin-off prequel goes um this was like far, far 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 better than it had any right to be and i'm not going to say this film was mm, like without any issues because it definitely had a few to be like very Kind like it had a lot. It didn't have a lot, but it had enough that it irked me But it was actually like so good that you you looked past like a lot of that like compared to like the bay transformers films oof, just streets ahead um, but uh, one big one uh, without going into spoilers was that uh, There was a pretty major lack of action scenes like aka like robot on robot like f- scrapping basically um, the fights that were on screen, they were top notch. It's just, um, I guess, I was like expecting a lot more, especially like talking about Michael Bay's like original series. So like his series after the first film and arguably like the third. I like the third film. Some people don't. I guess uh, the series has like strictly been about the action scenes and the story takes like a huge, 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 huge backseat um which is what i was kind of expecting for this film like again it's a, a prequel spin off so i was just i was honestly expecting crap but uh i was very surprised to see that this film uh, did the exact opposite focusing entirely on the very much um yeah yeah i guess character-driven yeah it was a very character-driven story well the movie on a whole again convolutes the timeline oh my god did it ever like right out right from the beginning oh my goodness the stuff that okay so the beginning of the movie is incredible but right from the beginning it's like okay so I guess the first five six movies didn't happen then because that's not what happened in the first movie like I'm not a huge Transformers like buff I don't like look up theories or watch timelines but like it was a very like crucial part of the first movie like they all come to earth in 2007 and then now they're on earth in 80 80? wow i have like got the worst it's like almost like burp hiccups it's like it's there but i can't get it out man it's gonna be just a nightmare to edit this oh there we go all right where was i what was I even saying? Oh right, yeah. So, what was I talking about? Like the timeline. Yeah, right. Okay. So the convolute, the convoluting the timelines. It doesn't make like a, a whole lot of sense for them to like to land in like nineteen eighties, um, especially like two, because you have just like one series, right, with six films. So, with within those six films. There hasn't been too many different writers, and there's only been two different directors between six films. Like, actually, it's been like five films with one director and one film with one director. So, the, f- and yet each film strays from the established timeline or contradicts uh, with like a past film or a future film, like I was saying. And it's, it's honestly, it's a little jarring, like some little stuff I won't, I won't know. But like, if I'm watching a review and a reviewer is like, then they did this. It's like, ugh. like, I'm not a reviewer. I'm not, I'm not usually like reviewing films. I'm just kind of talking about them, right? Like I, I could definitely review them, but uh, I don't know tastes and stuff. Right. And But uh, yeah, it just, it was a little, it was a little weird, but that's, that's just a little boogaboo bumblebee was no exception to any of these rules of uh, like breaking timelines but anyway. so like i said it takes place in the 80s which is admittedly admittedly a huge plus for me like honestly i, I can't get enough 80s and uh, we'll definitely be talking about more 80s as this thing goes on plus two having it in the 80s it gives itself like a lot of freedom to explore origins but again it shoots itself in the foot by having bumblebee already being on earth in the 80s like i've been saying it's something I couldn't get over the entire film, like watching that. But anyways, so Transformers has all the Transformers, like Transformers, like the film Transformers has all the Transformers arriving in 2007, like I said. So again, this is spoiler territory at the end of the film. Optimus Prime's there and like six, seven, eight, like different like Transformers are landing on Earth. It, it, it had only been like one year and they still all, I don't know, I don't get it. So, uh, yeah, I don't get it. So yeah, that's kind of an issue. Uh, it doesn't detract from the film in any way, but you can't help but wish, especially by the end of the film, that Bumblebee was more of like a soft reboot of the series rather than like a retconny prequel. Like, if this film was a reboot, it would have been perfect, like a perfect new stepping stone. Honestly, it's probably what Transformers needs—a fresh wipe. Like when you have Marvel. And DC, like, I, I hate putting DC in with the same thing, but when you can draw from multiple properties into the same universe, then the stories become somewhat endless, right? But if you're constantly drawing from the same source material, which you get, you get fatigue, right? Like Star Wars, even it's Star Wars. Now the news, the new films, oh my God, I, I, they're atrocious. Like even seven, like Force Awakens is like, it's pretty good. Like I could watch that film again and again, and the hype was crazy, but like Last Jedi, Solo, like, Rogue One was good, but really unnecessary. And uh, honestly, like, I couldn't give a crap about uh, Star Wars at this point. But Transformers has that, too. Like I said, first the third movie, good. Second movie was okay, but it had, like, a lot of detractors, which ultimately made the film, like, dog shit, basically. But then you get, like, four and five like unnecessary films. And, like, Mark Wahlberg as a scientist, uh, no. Um, but yeah, so there's honestly a few more of these moments that... It, are awesome but contradict so just be ready for that if you're gonna watch it i mean the series is very convoluted so it's part for the course but yeah anyways so if you need any like reason to watch this film and you're not and you're not just out for like a good story um there's a fair amount of screen time in cybertron like which we've seen a little bit of in like past installments in each one it looks a little bit different but i mean that happens with time right uh, and that's in case you are unaware. Um, that Cybertron is like the homeworld for both like the Autobots and the Decepticon. It's like the machine world. It's like the highly advanced world, but we only ever see it like in war or like completely like destitute. Um, But we also see too Optimus Prime in this film. So if you're a big Optimus Prime guy, he's in this film and he is like at his absolute peak badassery awesomeness. Uh, And not only is he like sporting, like just Kickass scenes and everything he's in. He's also in his Generation One look, which is like classic '80s Transformers toys show look. You know, he yeah, he looks great. Same with Bumblebee. Uh, Bumblebee actually like all the Transformers. They look very OG Transformers '80s cartoon look, and it's great. Especially too. Oh yeah. So I saw this with a few people: girlfriend, buddy, brother. We all saw this, um, and we couldn't get over like. Bumblebee like talking, me and my friend especially. It was, it was crazy. Like he's like doing like little like zingers that you get on like the cartoon, like he arrives and he's like, sorry, like, there like, there's a lot of traffic, right? But like, obviously, you know, traffic probably does not exist in their world. is more of like a human problem, but it was funny, right? Because they're cars, they're cars, so traffic. Right, um, but yeah. Optimus Prime in this, messing shit up. Very rad, like constantly like, you go, I got this, one Optimus Prime, like 20 Decepticons, B-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b. he's like taking them out, left, right, center, it's amazing, it's great. He's like, Bumblebee, you gotta go. Building is collapsing, it is collapsing down. Bumblebee shoots off, Optimus Prime, not zero shits, jumps off the falling building, shoots one Decepticon, lands on another who's flying, the Decepticons too. I don't know if this is like a toy thing, but how are they the only ones that can fly? Like, I don't remember ever seeing Autobots that can fly. And I don't know. Anyways, let's just, I don't know. Why? Why don't they fly, right? I don't know. So he, like, jumps off, shoots the, shoots the Decepticon, boom. Bumblebee's flying out, zero shits. Keep in mind, this is like a skyscraper he was on top of. It's falling off. He jumps off, grabs the Decepticon. Like, I don't know if he, like, shoots it in the head or what. Steers his, like, t- dying body to the ground and continues the fight. Like, this was all within like one to two minutes and it's like, holy shit, which is like crazy funny, especially cause it's like intense, like gritty, like we got a retreat. They're like holding fire and boom, boom, boom. And then it's like, Bumblebee's like, I'm like shy and nervous. And he's like, just exploring life with this girl. Not that it's like terrible, it's very engaging, but it's just like a completely different movie. When Bumblebee does land on earth, there's a couple awesome action scenes. It's got like that Iron Man kind of trope that like, bugs the hell out of me. Where or... so he lands and he can still talk, and you have John Cena, which is hilarious by the way. John Cena plays like the corniest, kookiest bad guy. All of his scenes are just straight cheese, and like I definitely feel like that's done intentionally. But anyway, so he lands there, and John Cena's like, "Shoot!" and the bumblebee's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I like, I don't. I, honestly, I don't want to hurt anybody. And John Cena's like, "Oh, okay." And then two Decepticons come, and they're... Okay, so I skipped a huge part. So John Cena with his army buddies are just riddling Bumblebee with, like, I don't know, like armor-piercing shells, just shooting the ever-living shit out of him. And like he's got, like, all of the Iron Man, like, symbols through his vision, right? Like, depleting, like, fuel or, like, memory system loss or whatever, right? And it's, like, can't hold whatever, like, internal system damage, like... Neat repair crucial, whatever it says, like he's basically on his last limb just from human bullets. And then the two Decepticons come and they're beating the ever living shit out of him. Maybe it's just one, no, in the beginning it's just one. And he's just like shooting missiles, sh- like punching him into like a wall and all of this shit, throwing him into buildings, huge explosions. He's still fine. He's still fine. It's like Iron Man, like power at like 12%, 10%, 8%, 6%, 2%. He fights for, like, the next 20 minutes of the film with 2%. It's like, okay, well, no. Like, I'm not believing that, not even for a second. So, anyways, he does that. And this Decepticon, again, spoilers. Anybody listening to this, I'm so sorry. Like, skip ahead, like, maybe five minutes. And he's just like, tell me where he is. He's like, no, I'm not going to. He's like, okay, swear on it. And rips out, like, his voice thing right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. We don't hear like. Okay, so I was talking with the girlfriend about this. I was like, I wish to God, like, they did not do that. And I was talking, actually, too, with my buddy about it when we came back. Like, to hear him say, like, zingers for even, like, another half of the movie. Like, obviously, you can't get rid of it at the end. But that would have been great, too. But then, like, the whole, like, bonding with a girl thing would have been done. But it's just, like, this subcon instantly knows. Boom, right there. Picks it right out of his neck. Like, how do you know this? Are you a doctor? Like, how do you just know where, like, the voice part is? I guess, like robot anatomy would be pretty similar but i don't know just rips it right out and then like later on in the film the decepticons are like why aren't why isn't he talking like if this guy knew how easily it is to like take the voice part out when these other guys see that there's like sparks and oil like coming out where this voice part was i don't understand that but anyway very cool and right after that action is whew, Gone. It is gone for the rest of the film until the very end. So if you were expecting like a Michael Bay action film as I was saying a little bit before Not happening. It is a completely different animal than the bay transformers Um, But it's still great. It's still great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Everybody I watched it with enjoyed it Uh, And it seems to be tracking really well. So also too what's really great the soundtrack the soundtrack is great in this film it's got like a bunch of like 80s alt pop and new wave what does it have? Like lots. Everything from like Rick Astley to The Smiths. It was like a really great, because like the girl, Haley Stanfield, Field, Stan? Haley, Papa Boo, just look it up, I guess. Can't think of her name. She's also in um, Edge of 17. Was it Edge of 17? With Woody Harrelson, great film, check that one out um she's supposed to be like edgy like i hate everybody like cool in the 80s like wearing like sleeveless vests and like or like cut off vests and stuff like that like does like mechanics and they try to give her like this like backstory like i was a diver and stuff and it's really like other than that like it just serves like a small stories piece it's entirely unnecessary and there's this one scene it's like incredibly laughable like the girlfriend was like oh like I get it, like it was like heartfelt, but I watched it, I was laughing. Just cause of who I am, I'm like a piece of crap that way. But she like, Bumblebee, this like massive robot, I'd, if I had to guess, like he weighs easy five tons. He falls, and or he's in the water, like sinking in the water. And this girl who's like, I used to be an amazing diver, like overcomes her fears to save Bumblebee. But she jumps like from a ridiculous height, lands in the water, And then it's like, what are you gonna do? Like, do you just wanna see him die? Like I get, if you watch the film, like I'm not gonna give like everything away, but it's like, I get why it happened, but it's like, what, you're just gonna jump to the bottom (laughs) see, and watch your friend die? What are you gonna do? You're not gonna lift a robot off, like off the ground. Like he can't swim, he's like a fucking metal robot. It's not happening. Like he, he can't swim, he can't float. And then all of a sudden, it's like she sees him and he's like, oh, I'm good. Oh my god, stuff like that. But this is sounds like me nitpicking, and it absolutely is, and I mean nothing by it, because ultimately, there's so much to love about this film. It's like, like I've been saying, some stuff's a little padded, a little unnecessary, but I mean, you get that in most blockbuster films, and that happens almost all the time. You can't escape it. And... I could go on and on about this film being great, and honestly, it is. It's it's shot well. Story's crisp. It's it's funny. There's a lot of humor. It's unexpected, but it lands like the girls funny. The kind of like friend zone friend is like hilarious. John Cena scenes are like corny to the max, and it's 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 it's, uh, it's kind of like. A fresh perspective, like they even like poke fun at their own series, which was nice. There's one part in there, where it's like very eighties, like bad guys are tricking the good guys, you know, because all the humans have like ten year old intelligence, and uh, John Cena is like, "Are we actually gonna trust these guys? Their names are Decepticons, and it's like exactly like." Every single Michael Bay film it's either had like humans being tricked by them or like secretly working for them, and it's like oh. autobots they're like are like we're gonna hear we're here to help you or leave us alone right and the decepticons it's just like yeah we're here to help I would never trust you ever it'd be like if if somebody was called like uh The baby murderers were like, yeah, honestly, we just want to watch your kids. I'd be like, oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, no, (laughs) like (laughs) your names are the baby murderers. Like, I'm not going to trust you. Um, But yeah, uh, if you take anything away from this dialogue and if you've skipped forward and you land here, uh, it's a great story. It's good music, lots of unexpected humor. It's good action when there is some and g1 versions of optimus prime bumblebee cybertron scenes are badass they're like incredible you can't get enough of them and uh i didn't really want to talk about this oh by the way that's it that's all i have to say like i again i don't review films but you got to check out bumblebee even if okay if you're even remotely a transformers fan check it out but if you kind of gave up on transformers after like one two or even three watch Bumblebee. And if you've never seen it, it's a great point to start off uh, from because like I was kind of saying, like it's basically like a soft reboot. I don't know why they kept it in the series because it contradicts everything, but check that out. Like I was saying, now, I didn't really want to talk about this because I didn't care for it too, too much, but it's like super hyped right now, like ridiculously hyped. So I was like, all right, I guess I got to have to. So real quick, I got to bring up Netflix's Bird Box. So this isn't, this is not quite a blockbuster, but it's huge, like a huge, um, I guess like event or like hype train, I guess. I don't really know what it is. Like what's it called, but it's, it's big right now, especially like last week. It was huge. And, um, I was hearing something like 45 million views according to Netflix, which is like crazy, crazy numbers, but it's odd because like Netflix never reveals their numbers ever so yeah it's like it's a little odd it's it's like weird flex i guess but it kind of feels like they're trying to make a statement you know like look at us look at our numbers like what netflix is doing because i mean they got a lot of compet- competition coming like between just normal movie studios and tv studios now they've got like hbo go crave uh, amazon prime hulu well hulu was always big but now it's going to be bigger now because disney Owns Fox, so they're going to be pumping stuff into there. And Disney's got their own streaming service, right? Then you got other stuff too, like Shutter. So they are the giant, and I guess they're just trying to say we we are the we are the giant. Forty five million. I mean, if that film wasn't at the convenience of your fingertips, like in the comfort of your home, I don't think that film would have got anywhere close to that amount of views uh, if it was in the theater. Sandra Bullock in like a horror movie, like a thriller. I don't know no other big stars like John Malkovich but as much as I love John Malkovich he's he doesn't pull right like nobody's gonna go just see a movie just for him anymore it's not 1990 so I don't think that film would have got anywhere close to those amount of views the movie as a whole well-made film like shot well there's no dead moments uh there's no like stuff that feels like it shouldn't be in the film all the actors do an incredible job uh The editing is crisp, the sound is crisp. I like that they don't go into too much detail with like the monster, but I couldn't help but feel like, I hate saying this, because like I, I try to respect films for what they are, but I couldn't help but feel like not only had I seen this film before with like this premise, this kind of story, but I had seen a way better version of this film already this year. And it's a quiet place, yeah, so like I know I know before like anybody says anything, I know that Bird Box was a book, I know that that came out in like two thousand and ten or whenever it came out. I know it's been around, right, but I can't help but feel that this film adaptation got some traction after like, I, I get it. Like, it could be complete coincidence, like, zeitgeist kind of thing, right? But I can't, can't help but feel that this got some traction after A Quiet Place exploded. It's, like, a similar concept. It's, like, a couple people left in the destitute, like, place after, like, a mysterious whatever takes over, right? In A Quiet Place, it's, like, the aliens that They land in russia and it slowly spreads over it's the exact same here like something happens in europe and they're like oh it's not going to come over here well what do you know it's over here and now all of our lives are changed but in a quiet place they're triggered on sound and no one seems to know like how to defeat them or what they are and in a bird box it's like if you look at them then you die so it's two different concepts in that in a quiet place Sound triggers the creatures. They know what the creatures are. They know the creatures are out there. But if you don't make sound, then they can't. They won't see you, right? They they don't know where you are. And in Bird Box, it's like if you if you're looking, then they'll kill you. It's like almost instant, right? And for some reason, they fire. They they like run on vampire rules. Like they don't come into your house, which I thought was like really odd. Like these super uh, incredible intelligent creatures that can do like whatever they want just can't can't get into houses but so in just in that small tweak it's different but it's like still it's a similar mechanic you have sight and sound and that's what's going to trigger everybody um but a quiet place was way better far more engaging you're at the edge of your seat and like sad too like i'm not gonna say like bird box wasn't sad like that little girl those scenes wow right powerful well acted oh my god for a child actor wow just great 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 acting but i didn't care about any of the people with them i didn't care if sandra bullock made it i just didn't care i didn't i it seemed very forced and uh with a quiet place it's just like you're like, like i'm not gonna say a quiet place is flawless it had a couple things so i was like why the why the hell would you do that like why would you have a baby that's the biggest thing. Like, why would you have a baby when you can't make sound? It's like, like, let's th- play thr- Frisbee with, like, fire alarms or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's basically as dumb as that is. But, yeah. Bird Box was great. It was a great film. I didn't really care for it, though. At the end of the day, I didn't really care for it. I'm loving the memes. Like, especially, Kate okay, if you go on Instagram and you search up, like, hashtag, like, Bird Box or, like, Tokyo Drift, there's that one with like the Tokyo Drift song, my favorite. I mean all the all the ones where he's like holding open her eyes, those ones are great, but they get pretty tired. But that one's a good one. Um, so see if you can find that one. But yeah, Bird Box. Definitely see it. Watch it. I mean if you have Netflix, why not, right? And it keeps them it keeps them happy. But if you want to watch something better from this year, go put on a quiet place. It was far, far better and i was gonna go on to my list now but i think i'm gonna talk about the one movie i watched last night i wanted to see spider-man into the spider-verse but the girlfriend's not crazy about spider-man like i am and uh so we made a compromise something we both kind of wanted to see and we uh we watched aquaman so i'm just gonna kind of give a little oh my god i don't know how that movie is making so much money so, yeah, saw Aquaman last night, and I gotta say, like, sure, it was a pretty fun movie, but, um, I don't get it. I don't get how that movie has been making so much money. I honestly don't like it it's fun, but it's not good. Like it's beyond predictable. It is super linear, and like oh, I don't know, like it's it is super corny, it's super cheesy. But it's just some of the stuff was like, oh, my goodness. Like, how is how are people like I checked it out after it because I had to make sure like it's not it doesn't have good reviews. Thank God. But people are still going in droves. I don't know what the buzz is. I don't know why people are seeing it. I get like a good amount of people are probably seeing it for Jason Momoa. I know myself. I was kind of psyched to see it for Amber Heard and like she did not disappoint even like CGI wise, I was like, some of the stuff looks pretty bad. And although like the costumes were great, like Mira looked great, Atlanta looked great, Aquaman, once he gets a uh, spoiler, like he does, he gets the Trident, if you couldn't just figure that one out. So he gets the Trident he gets like the classic Aquaman uh, costume, looks great. Black Manta great. Like I was so, so surprised they kept so comic accurate. It was really, really great. Um, and then Ocean Master looked pretty, pretty close to the comics. Like, I am i don't follow Aquaman too, too much. Like, I'm not really into the lore of Aquaman, but I know enough. Like, if, you're, if you even dabble remotely into comics or the comic industry, you know who all those characters are. They're pretty stable characters. Like, I mean, Aquaman is a character. You don't feel anything for the guy. Like, Sure, like you understand, like you get, yeah, I get why he's angry, but you don't feel anything for it. like all the characters are pretty hollow, and it's just so outrageously like cheesy, and there's deaths death's like crazy, like for somebody who's supposed to be trying to become the king, it's just like there's this like final climatic battle, and it's just like for so long he's not commanding like the sea he has this ability and he uses it like almost n- never until like right at the end but he's just using this like creature and like people are just being massacred and then all of a sudden he decides to use the fish and they're still killing people like the girlfriend last night was like why didn't he take all of their like sea creatures all of like you know like everything giant whales all their seahorses all their sharks and like the trench like all of them they could have like just surrounded them or disarmed them instead it's just like no nope, we're gonna keep on killing i just i don't know and like mira and uh arthur they have like a pretty good like you know they're gonna get together it's one of those things you know like at the end they're gonna get together even if you don't know the comics just the way they like shoehorn they're I don't know, their relationship. It's just, oh man, I don't know. It's so beyond predictable. You could like watch the first five minutes and you're gonna know, okay, so that person's not dead. This person's gonna die. This is what's gonna happen to him. They're gonna get together. Like all that stuff, all within like the first 20 minutes. And uh, honestly, some of the best parts was the very beginning when Arthur's dad finds his mom. And that's all of five minutes and then black manta like chasing down aquaman in italy those are probably like the best parts otherwise it's just like it it doesn't feel like a waste but it everybody was like no honestly like it's bad but you're gonna love it and i didn't love it i found myself laughing at a lot of parts that you shouldn't have laughed at like i was like when Black Manta gets absolutely ragdolled like twice by Aquaman, I was like pissing myself laughing, especially the end when he hits like every building and it's just like a dead body that hits the water. I was in stitches. Like I was laughing so hard. But it it is cool. And in terms of like DC movies, like I'm planning on talking about DC movies in in maybe like, I don't know, a month or two, I think is when I want to talk about that episode. It's good. Like Man of Steel, take it or leave it Batman versus Superman you am know, gonna watch the director's cut still again take it or leave it Justice League I like like two characters not even scenes of that movie um, Wonder Woman it's good but like I've said before it's not the second coming of Christ it is not the best movie ever made it is not it doesn't change the landscape for women directed films or leading films Uh, But it's good, and in terms of, like, the DC movies, it's probably the best one they have. And uh, Justice League, I don't know. There's nothing redeemable about that movie. And then this movie is not bad. I would put it maybe second or third so far in their series. I'm hopeful for Shazam. Shazam looks kind of neat, but I don't think... I don't think DC is ever going to hit a high mark. People that keep praising like Aquaman is like nonstop thrill ride. It is nonstop, but is it a thrill ride? Not really. I saw lots and lots. This I was actually admittedly. The theater was packed third weekend. It's been out packed. There was people coming in and they were like, they could barely find seats to sit in at the very bottom row of the theater. There was, it was full, but at the same time, there were many, many scenes in the film that people thought were not important enough, uh, so they left to go to the washroom. I myself contemplated it a couple times to go to the bathroom. There must have been like a dozen people, 15 people. It's probably a record high for my movie viewing history of seeing people leave the theater to go take a bathroom break. And that's never a good sign, especially if it's supposed to be a nonstop action thrill ride. Uh, If I had to compare this to Bumblebee, I would definitely see Bumblebee, like two more times before I saw Aquaman again. The only reason, admittedly, that I would watch it again, probably for Amber Heard. Um, but yeah, it was okay. It was okay. And the fact that it's making as much money as it's making doesn't mean anything. Cause I mean, I heard Venom was terrible and that movie's just was gangbusters, made like tons of money, but apparently it's just crushing. So good for them, uh, all the power to them. I definitely see it. I wouldn't say like, don't, but there's better stuff out there. Yeah costumes were good, script was not bad, I do love James Wan, um, Willem Defoe's in it, so that's always a plus, and uh, it was cool, it was cool seeing Aquaman's story, I, I kept saying like I cannot believe I'm in a theater right now to watch Aquaman, like never would I have ever thought they'd make a movie, let alone would I be seeing it, let alone would it be crushing this heart in the box office, it was almost like you kind of have to see it because everybody's seeing it, that might be where a lot of people are going, but yeah, maybe go check out Aquaman. If, if superheroes aren't your thing, don't. I, you, there's much better out there. Um, but if you need your superhero fix, uh, go check it out. Yeah, so moving forward. So this is different. This is a little um, change of pace, I guess. But actually, f- so for a little um, year in review, I think I was gonna start with actually talking about some of my favorite music that I was listening to in 2018. Um, And this is completely opinion so if you don't listen to music and you find that you have no similar taste to me then uh go ahead and just skip this part and i'll get on to something else eventually um but yeah let me just jump right into it i listened to quite a few full cds for the like the first time in a while uh this year um by both going on like my trip to europe and asia and um just through commutes. I've been driving a lot lately through my for my jobs between like 15 and 45 minutes every single day to get there, which I know some people drive hour, two hours, but usually my drive has always been like five, ten minutes. So anyways, to get the ball rolling, one of my favorite albums this year, unfortunately, it was not Vampire Weekend's fourth album, which I am afraid will almost never come out at this point. Fingers crossed. But it's just as good. So the next best thing, it is from uh, American musician Rostam, uh, which I cannot pronounce his last name. So it's like Batman Gillage. He was in Vampire Weekend. Rostam is from Vampire Weekend. He was also in uh, Discovery and uh, Rostam and Hamilton. And uh, yeah, Half-Life is great. Also, too, he did two singles. It was... um, Oh, what is that called? In a River is the newest one that came out. I love that song. That song is great. And he also did another one called This Song, um, but it's actually by RAC, which I could not stop listening to this summer. I listened to easily like two or three months, like never got sick of it. But yeah, his album Half Light. Oh my God. Oh my God. It is just great. Just a perfect album, really. Um, What are some of the songs on here? Yeah. So there's 15 songs. Don't let it get to you. It's got to be like one of the best ones on there. Uh, Rudy. Rudy is another one of my favorites. He has, I don't know if it's pronounced Eos or just EOS. That's another good one. And then he also recorded some other ones like Bike Dream and Summer. Oh, maybe it wasn't Summer. I think it might be Bike Dream and Wood. He re-recorded those. Oh my God, they sound great. And it's basically you wouldn't not know that you're listening to Vampire Weekend. Like I hate saying it because like bands are supposed to be respected as bands but he's definitely like, the heart and the soul like his music writing ability and his like his affinity almost to just like have that like very distinct sound oh is so good and it's it's like art pop it's kind of like um it's like very old school indie like not um not how like everybody now identifies like Indie actually now is kind of like a dead term. Like nobody really says indie anymore. But when I was in high school, like in 2007, if you were like indie music, it sounded rough. It was like very um, in like the the mop closet sound like um, raw, you know, like independent to a core to its core. Right. But that's kind of what this sounds like. It, It doesn't sound very studio. It doesn't sound very polished and yet at the same time it is and I I like that I like that sound but yeah if you like this most recently he had that um, I think it was Rostam and Hamilton I could be wrong but it's it's just called I had a dream that you are mine I also bought that CD and I actually just never fully put it on I listened to like three or four songs out of it and I just never gave it a chance so I'm definitely gonna have to like give that a chance but this one here is all Rostam so check that out. It it did come out in 2017, September. Um, it's called Half Light. So check out that album by Rostam. It's really good. And the next one, it's kind of a complete change of pace here. This is an actual album from 2018 um, that I was listening to. And is from Post Malone. And it's Bongs and Bentleys. Like I am sadly sick of this CD now. But that's because it gave me an absolute, fully... It was like captivating i listened to this i bought it for my trip for europe so from may to probably like september i listened to almost every one of these songs nonstop. it came on my my phone every day like almost every song never got sick of it until finally <laughs> my my ears just had enough and i think i only have two songs left on on my phone and that's um I think it's like uh, what do I have on here? Ninety Two Explorer and Candy Paint. That's it. That's all I have left. So 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 many good ones. But the the problem is 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 that he's so popular and he's really good that all of his songs now have just been like they have radio fatigue. Like they're done. Like the only other one maybe that I would still put on once in a while is like Spoil My Night because I love Sway Lee. If you love Sway Lee and like Post Malone, if you haven't already, I'm, it also by now has a little bit of radio fatigue, but definitely check out Sunflower. That's for like the new Spider-Man movie. It's a catchy one. It's short. It's actually such a short song, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's not really like rap, like Post Malone doesn't really rap, but it's kind of like an R and B. If I had to explain it, it's kind of like hip hop i feel so white saying that like it's hip-hop but it is probably it's more r&b pop than it is like a rap cd but it's it was phenomenal like i was going to download the other one his last cd but this came out right before i went on the trip so i picked it up and i didn't listen to it at all until i went i first stepped into the airport and then i couldn't stop so just give it a try. Post Malone is honestly not for everybody, but his voice eventually is just very captivating. So check it out. Um, that's another one of my favorite albums of this year that I listened to was "Beer Bongs and Bentleys. Um, I'm not going to like keep, keep going. I think I've got, yeah. So I've got three more here and this next one strays even again. So none of these are all the same genre. So this next one here isn't, Again, isn't from 2018, but it's the first time I heard this album. I had listened to this band before, but I never really gave them a fair chance. Um, And their sound has changed drastically, and that's Tame Impala. Uh, Their album that I was listening to was Currents. And not only is Currents one of my favorite albums of 2018 that I listened to, but is hands down definitely one of my favorite albums of all time. Every one of these songs. It's just every time I put it on still and I've been listening to this album now like two three months every song on this album still It feels to me like I've been listening. It's, I listen I'm hearing it for the first time. It's just it's just a journey every song is just great and uh, They all have such a different sound the me. The lyrics are complex and He's so edgy and also to tame Impala. I didn't know this. I'm sure some people do know this but Tame Impala is actually just one guy, basically. Like this album, Currents, was written, recorded, performed, produced, all by this one guy named Kevin Parker. And also too, from what I like saw when I was looking this up, now he also mixed the music, and this was like the first time that he actually recorded all of the instruments by himself too. So the, this album, even though it's a band and it sounds like a bunch of people, featured no nobody else, no other collaborators. So when he goes on tour, then he has a band, but those other members, are like friends basically from other bands and they just come to tour with him this whole band tame impala is one guy so then like already experiencing this like it, oh by the way the genre is kind of like psychedelic pop but it's very like electronic too it's got some B kind of feel to it but oh man it's very it's it's definitely like psychedelic pop not rock it's not like your dad's like 60 or 70s like psychedelic rock it's it's very new um but when you hear how like complex and like detailed all these songs are and layered too there's lots going on and you find out it's one guy oh you have such a different appreciation for all of these songs like the amount of work he put into all of these uh, oh, it's great but yeah i cannot get enough let it happen was the one that like i first heard and and i was like i literally too i almost changed the radio station because i was like eh, i don't want to hear this And then it just kept going and going and i was like whoa and it was like i listened to five songs that's like it felt like such a trip when i was listening to it like like i said each song's kind of like a journey and uh there's lots of other good ones too like eventually uh that's another one i really like on that album and um what else is the other one that i like so i have let it happen eventually oh new person same old mistakes that one is like one of my faves It's so good yeah yeah so if you ever look this up kevin parker all vocals all instruments production recording mixing cover even cover concept wow yeah like this album has legs it is like now it has bumped out a couple other albums in my of my favorite albums of all time if i had to do a top 10 but it's from july 2015 it is not (laughs) oddly enough current it's it's still new but it's not from 2018 but yeah this was one of my favorite things i was listening to in 2018 um, what else I got here? Oh, this also too is one of my new favorite bands. It's um Canadian indie band Always, spelled A-L-V-V-A-Y-S, and their album was Anti-Socialites. It's just their second album. Their first album is okay. I only listened to some of it, but this album, again, I put it on uh, on my phone for a trip it was actually re- recommended by clen howerton of it's always sunny i followed him on instagram and he's like you got to check these out so i put one song on i was like damn that was good actually too. this is how that story actually goes um i actually shazammed one of the songs on the radio once and i was like yeah it's okay i bought it and that's like months ago before the story happened and then i saw he recommended them he's like this is like basically like Ear sex like he can couldn't get enough of it. So I was like, all right Well, I already liked one song. I'll, I'll just buy the album on a whim Which I don't usually do for music for movies. I do it all the time But for music I don't do and I, I I bought it same thing I didn't play it really until we went on the trip and I still have almost 80% still This is february now. So this is almost a year almost a year later. I have almost all the songs still on my phone I can I cannot get enough of this um, the CD is so good, um, In Undertow, Dreams Tonight, and Punks, Lollipop, Saved by a Wave, Forget About Life, Forget About Life is now like my new favorite song that comes on every once in a while. Some of these songs will come on and I'm human. I'll skip them once in a while because like, yeah, you know what? I heard it just like a couple hours ago. I don't want to hear it again, but Forget About Life. I will always, always listen to that song comes on and I'm always listening to it and i just found out that like they actually had like a b-side so if you were to buy the cd i'm pretty sure or get the vinyl or a special edition it comes with three other songs i haven't heard them but yeah really really good and uh from what i understand these guys are actually from toronto but it's uh it's a female lead singer so if you're not into that um that sucks for you but uh if you're just into music for being music that's great also too uh speaking of females this wasn't on my list it definitely should have been um but i don't actually have one specific album is lights are not lights why did i say lights uh churches light lights is good too but you know I, I i don't really listen to her all that much but churches um spelled with a v instead of a u oh my god Her voice is like phenomenal, and that music is so captivating. Like, it just grabs your ears and it doesn't let go. Um, They have a new album that just came out either last year or this year. I guess I could quick pull it up here. Churches. 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 Yeah, Love is Dead. Hold on a sec here. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have had this ready to go. I didn't, I just, you know, I had a little. Yeah, Love Is Dead, Get Out, My Enemy, Miracle is the one I have on my phone currently. I did delete some of this stuff because I switched phones, so I haven't re-downloaded all my, my old music yet. Check that out, uh, Love Is Dead by Churches. That's also a really good one. They're very synth-pop, though, compared to um, Always or like Tame Impala, but that's a really, really good album. If you want something different to listen to, maybe throw that on. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't have any research for them, but it just to go check them out and the last album is from a band i used to be obsessed with in high school they were definitely like my my top five or six like favorite bands that i was listening to and that's mgm's uh mgmt sorry uh little dark age it is such a departure from like their first two albums actually their second album a lot of people don't like that album i am like obsessed with that album like i used to listen to it all the time in grade 12 like summer of grade 12 for me what is that like 2011 i couldn't get enough of that album they did make a, a third album Is this their fifth no yeah so they made a third album i think it was just called mgmt i could be wrong but i didn't really jump into that album so much again like couple other CDs, I heard one song and I was like, yeah, you know what? That's really good. So I shazammed it and I was like, no shit. That's MGMT. So I downloaded the whole album. Same story. Went to Europe. I brought a bunch of music with me. And uh, oh man, some of the songs, they do get tired. Like two or three songs get a little tired but still like me and Michael When You Die and um, One Thing Left to Try those those songs for me are like timeless. Especially One Thing Left to Try and When You Die, those songs, they might be the only two that I still have on my phone, um, again, because I actually just replaced my phone. And so I only have those two on there right now. But you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'll put, I'll re-download a lot of those. But if, you, if you're if you not sure about a lot of these songs, the ones that I'm, or albums, I guess, definitely check out the ones I'm bringing up, like One Thing Left to Try and When You Die. Oh, oh, so good, so, so good and this one too, isn't current. It, uh, was, Oh no, it is from this year. Well, hot damn, February, 2018. So it was an album from 2018. Uh, and that's, that's it for albums. Um, as far as music goes, uh, this year, I also really rediscovered, um, some music I used to listen to, uh, a lot of stuff I used to listen to, like, um, Uh, block party I was listening to some old foals music Um, but more importantly I was listening to a lot of Van Morrison like I was hard into Van Morrison for like a good four or five months like I even bought a vinyl I had uh, moon dance like that album that album is like a solid album Uh, I actually bought the b-sides like all the alternative it was like during record day and uh, record store day I think it's what it's called and I picked that up I haven't quite given it a full listen yet but uh, yeah all those songs on there are timeless. And the only reason I took it off my phone was for space. It's very, very good and uh, super soothing. Like Van Morrison and John Denver have to be some, like the most soothing music um, that isn't just boring. Uh, And then also too, I really got back into the Smiths. I was listening to the Smiths a lot, like one or two years ago. And I like re-downloaded a lot from their like, massive greatest hits album it has has something crazy like 24 songs on it (laughs) super depressing but the music is very catchy and the melodies are just so tight uh morrissey's voice for some of those songs are just you could listen to them like on repeat almost and you're never getting tired of them but uh yeah the smiths aren't for everybody they are very depressing check those out I know like I all the time I'm like yeah I have music on here and I never really talk about music just briefly all the time but yeah I do listen to a lot of music and eventually I'm gonna do like episodes on, on music like on the indie music I used to listen to in high school like Eurodance like some disco some groove like I have all these episodes planned um for the future so i'm definitely going to be talking a bit about music and i listen to anything so if you ever have like any recommendations or you want to hear about certain things like i'll write it down i've got just a, a plethora of stuff i can pull from i'm not just like a, a one-trick pony when it comes to music I, I i love everything right what else do i have here got a couple other things what are we at here for time holy jesus i'm at an hour Whew. all right i gotta speed through some of this stuff So I have favorite movies, but I, wow, this is really going for a lot longer than I had planned. So I'm just gonna try and like get through some of these. If I miss stuff, I'll have to bring it up on another episode. So this is kind of the same thing. Um, I have some current movies, but I have a lot of stuff that's um, from different times, (laughs) different times, different years. Um, Just give me a second here and I will get right to that. So favorite films of 2018 um, for me. So again, like the music, they didn't all come out in 2018, but a few of them did. So this film uh, did not come out in 2018, but its sequel did come out in uh, 2018. And that film uh, is Creed, Creed from 2015. This is a film I had been planning on watching actually since 2015. I just never actually got around to it. it. I even had to download it downloaded at least for like a year or two. And, uh, it's finally when Creed two, the trailer started coming out. I was like, I need to see this, especially because on am like a, a lot of like best of lists for like editing, cinematography, story, sound films in general, this film Creed was on like a ton of them. And I was like, okay, if it's this good, I have to check it out. And, uh, it was directed by Ryan Coogler who did Fruitfield station. He did black Panther. I actually can't i don't think he did maybe he's done one other movie i don't know his stuff is great though if you haven't seen Fruitvale station oh wow it is just it's a it's a tough one to watch but not because it's bad it's just very powerful it's a powerful film and black panther uh while i will admit it's very overhyped is still a solid film like it's very very good it's definitely one of the best made marvel films Um, but we're talking about creed and this is definitely It is the sixth, the seventh film, yeah, because Rocky Bobo. It's the seventh film in the Rocky series. This has to be either number two. I think it is my second favorite of the series, maybe my third. Just depends on the day, I guess. But it is such a well-made film, and it's a completely different like viewpoint, like a, a different um like narrative structure that they take. Like basically, all the Rocky movies, you have like one and two and a little bit of three yeah one and two where it's like the underdog story right it's like regs to riches nobody believes in him he just needs his chance and then it becomes like a superstar and then he becomes like broke in this film it's just somebody trying to prove who they are it is a completely different story it is the bastard son i hate using that word but it's, it's the son of apollo creed and he's basically just trying to live up to the name that he feels he doesn't deserve. It is shot beautifully. The sound is great. You feel for him. You feel for Rocky. You feel for um, Tessa Thompson's character. I, oh God, I can't think of her name right now. Oh, oh well, but you feel for everybody in the film. And it's, it is so well made. There's never a slow moment. There's like beautiful, like long takes. It is phenomenal. And like the fight scenes are great. They do like these little things that I love. It's just small detail. But every time, like Adonis, who's Michael B. Jordan's character, every time he's going to fight somebody, like an opponent, it shows like the opponent and it's a freeze frame. And then all of their stats come up. Like it'll be like, um, I don't know, let's say like Johnny Boxer. And then it'll be like stats like 14 and 0, heavyweight division champion, blah, 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 this and that. Uh, been fighting since this. And it'll show like all of them. It, it does that for like three or four fighters. And it's uh, that's such a like, cool little thing. Cause then it, it feels like you know who they are. Like, it's not like just like, oh, you're gonna fight like Spider Rico. Like one of the guys like Rocky Pelpo originally has to face, you don't know who Spider is. You just kind of get like, oh, he's like a bigger fighter, right? Like not a big deal. But these guys are all like monsters and you know like who he's facing up against. And two, like the actual fight scenes are just so gripping, so powerful. Like that final fight scene, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this, but when he like just about gets knocked out, that whole scene of him, like like the little flashback, like time stops. And then he gets back up, like they say in the film, like a man possessed. Like out of nowhere, he just he's back up. He's not taking punches either. Like he, this is not a Rocky movie. He's not Rocky. This is more of like you're watching a normal man in a boxing ring, not somebody who just eats punches for breakfast. And there's this one part where like the Rocky theme gets like woven into like the Creed's theme. Oh my god, oh my god, it's just chills, like hairs standing up. If you have not seen Creed go watch Creed, whether you like Rocky films or not. This is a, such a solid, solid movie. Creed 2 was really good. It was super, super predictable, like super predictable. Like Creed, I actually didn't really know how it was going to go. Not that there was too many variations of where it could have led, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And then with Creed 2, far more predictable, but still just, a, just as powerful a film. I don't know if they're going to make a Creed 3. If they didn't, I'd be fine with that, but they're gonna make one more i would stop at the creed 3 but yeah this fantastic film creed from 2015 if you haven't seen it seen it go see it um yeah it's just wow really great film but also the next one here also a really great film a lot of people don't give these movies a lot of credit but they're all great Ex- well except two i hate saying that because it's john woo i'm pretty sure who directs it but this film is mission impossible fallout which was directed by christopher McQuarrie. it is from 2018, I'd arguably say it was the best blockbuster this year. Best one, hands down. The stunts are phenomenal. The story was great, albeit predictable, but it is a spy thriller. So it was nonstop, nonstop. And the fact that Tom Cruise is like 50 and he's still just like hammering these home, like, Breaking a foot, learning how to drive a helicopter, insisting to do all this stuff like the skydiving, all that stuff's him. Like I mean, to a certain degree, but it's all him. Most people like don't even like jump off curbs when it comes to movies, but this guy's like doing all this. It's, he loves his craft. He's mastering his craft, and it shows. This film was like nonstop, boom, 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 and it's just oh my gosh, and it's got a level cast. You got your Bing Rhames back. You got Simon Pegg back. No Jeremy Renner, unfortunately, but you got Henry Cavill with a bitch and mustache and tom cruise you got uh what's her name ferguson uh rebecca rebecca ferguson's in this too she's great and alec baldwin how do you not like alec baldwin fantastic um yeah it was so good and too this one does something I, I just enjoy in general it like kind of ties everything together like all of the films kind of get like a nice little bow by including like past characters or like mentioning past things from different stories, which is nice because they don't need to do that. Like James Bond, they don't do that. Mission Impossible, they're doing that. I think it's too, there's like a huge industry push to have things be franchises um, and series be like interconnected, interwoven, a lot tighter, even though Michael Bay's Transformers, as I was talking about earlier, doesn't like doing that. This film is great. And sometimes that's all you need, just a little touch here and there. But the film is like, I don't know, a couple hours, 140. Yeah, it's just over two hours long, and it doesn't feel like it. I felt like I was watching that movie for maybe 45 minutes. There was never a lull. The fight scenes were awesome, too. Like, the fight scene you see in the trailer where, like, Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill are beating the hell out of that guy in the bathroom. It was intense. It was a really good scene. And, um, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. And Like, there's been better villains in a mission impossible movie but this by far is like the best one like i used to really like three um i've seen one to death but this is the best one um and even though it does have like interconnected uh, parts like i said i was saying like they do little um like little nods little mentions it's not like you need to know what happened it'll explain it for you like you don't need to see past installments to know who ethan hunt is you don't need to see past installments to know who that government is that he works for or his personal life or the people he's working for it's very loose that way it's easy to jump into and that's really what you need for like a perfect blockbuster yeah i would say it's definitely one of the greatest action films of all time definitely one of the best films of 2018 that i saw um, on a much smaller scale like this is a film that f- flew Way 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 under the radar and that's such a disappointment because this film actually I wrote this film off like The girlfriend was like, let's see it and I was like, ah, I don't really know right I don't know I've Seen movies like this before where it's all through like the screen like unfriended or whatever and it was like garbage It was a garbage movie. And I was like, I don't really want to see this, but we saw it and captivated. it I was so captivated and so many times too. I love this because um You think you know something. You know when you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, well, I've already figured it out. I do that way too often where it's just like, it's not fun for me, I already know what's going on. This movie does this to you and then boom, nope, not that. Boom, nope, not that. Oh, you thought you thought that? No, it's wrong, this is what happens. Every single time, left turn, left turn, left turns, loop, curve, whoops, every single time. I didn't know anything that was gonna happen. Even when I thought I had it figured out, it wasn't that. And oh, so by the way, this movie is searching. This is 2018, a thriller film um by anish chaganti anti chaganti starring um john cho john cho from uh, harold and kumar um star trek films he is fantastic in this movie he plays the dad so a little synopsis here um this dad john cho uh this is all in the opening he has a wife has a daughter Um, He loses his wife, unfortunately. She gets ill and she passes away. So it's just him and his daughter, and they're really close, but eventually they're slowly drifting away. The dad's losing a little bit of connection with her. He's not really picking up the pieces she's putting down. And then one day she's gone. She's missing and he's freaking out. And this is all seen through the computer screen, through screens, um, which is very, it's it's not a gimmick. It's just, it's a very neat filming device that hasn't really been really been utilized ever, which is great. You, you hear that like, oh, it's all through like a screen, but it's great. Uh, I I wrote it off and I feel foolish for doing so because it was perfect. Um, I wouldn't have done it any other way for this film. And the dad basically has to go through all of the daughter's files, internet history. Uh, she, he has to contact friends, pretend to be her and like different profiles to try and figure out where she went. And it's also got Deborah Messing in it. And I'm not like a huge, deborah messing fan i don't know many people that are like she's pretty funny and like will and grace i'll watch that from time to time but she is actually like both of these characters people these actors john cho and deborah messing are like playing this straight they're playing it serious and it's and it's perfect she plays like the the detective who's helping um john cho find his daughter uh and i gotta tell you like every which way this, this film was going, I did not see it going there. Not because it was dumb, not because it was improbable, but just because I couldn't figure it out. You are literally figuring this out with him. At no point does the film ever give you something that you'll pick up on before anybody else. Like you were in this ride with them and I, I can't commend them enough for doing this. It was it was perfect. I would definitely watch this again. It uh, It didn't make a lot of money. Like from what I see here, it only cost them a million to make which is believable the cast was like five people and then no locations but it, and it made 75 million dollars for like so budget to gross it made a killing but this film should have made more this film should have been like the 200 million mark this should have been the film everybody was going to see it was the sleeper hit of the year I would definitely watch it again and again if like this film isn't nominated for anything like Golden Globes or Oscars it's a shame I it's not a perfect film, but I I would recommend everybody watch this. More more than, so than Creed, more so than Mission Impossible. Watch Searching. Like sit down, put down your phone, watch Creed uh Creed. Watch Searching. You're going to love it. It's uh it's whether like it's your favorite film or you, you you think, "Well, it's good. at least I saw it." It's something that you're going to hold on to mentally for at least like a week. Like it, you'll be thinking about it for quite a while. So Check that out, it's from 2018, it's called Searching. I have uh, a few more films here, but I'm gonna breeze through these ones a little bit because they're not new. Oh, I might as well say it, it wasn't on my list, but Avengers Infinity War, that's definitely one of my favorites. Like we've been waiting like over 10 years for this film to come out and it did not disappoint. It was it was p- pretty close to a perfect Marvel film and I honestly cannot wait for Endgame. Uh, Nothing really a nitpick. There was some stuff they glossed over, but I mean, how can you nitpick, right? Like there's 20, 30 characters, so they're not going to go in depth for everything. And everybody seemed like they got their screen time. It felt like everybody was in there. It didn't feel like anybody was skipped. And it was just good to see everybody on screen. Yeah, like, I mean, Thanos was done justice. Like they did Thanos almost perfectly. And it was cool seeing like Thor change. Like there's a lot of like character invasions had- oh my gosh character growth and that's that's great because sometimes a lot of characters get pretty stale but the fact that hulk was barely in the film the fact that thor's character really changed we had some character deaths cap came back it was perfect it was a great film uh and it was long too that's another one like like um creed this movie was almost three hours i felt like i was watching it for like 40 minutes like it just when it was over i was like what it's over Like, I could have watched Easy another two hours of Avengers. Um, So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Captain Marvel. I'm really looking forward to Endgame. And, like, what's coming up after next? Like, this is the end. Like, when Endgame comes out, that is the end of Phase 3, which is crazy to even just say. Like, just thinking about it, 10 years ago, Iron Man came out. And now we're at the end of Phase 3. It's crazy. And there might not be any phases after that. So, (sighs) to see what they're gonna do, like who's gonna die, who's gonna live, what's gonna happen, how do they bring people back? I don't know, I was on the edge of my seat, I watched it twice, I'm probably gonna watch it again soon, it just went on, on Netflix, Infinity War, even though I didn't think about it's definitely like a favorite film of 2018. Um, but getting back to the list here, I watched this around um, Halloween, I don't know if I actually mentioned this on any of my podcasts, This is an old one, and this too was like Creed, where I had it on my list to watch for a long, long, long time. And I either never had the the right time, or I was not in the mood to watch it, but I finally sat down to watch it. I watched it with a girlfriend and her mom, and that's um, 1977's Dario Argento's classic, like a classic film, Suspiria. Now this this film, um, right off the hop, one of the most beautifully colored films I've ever seen. It's so artificial, the color is so artificial, like bright, bright, like stained glass, neon looking, blues, reds, greens, yellows. It's like, it's almost like watching like someone's like psychedelic nightmare, but it's not like crazy, crazy. Like it's not like that kind of psychedelic. It is like a soft psychedelic where you're like, I don't really get what's going on, but I can't stop watching it. And there's a lot of stuff in here that are like, it's great. And when it, it gets to the end of the film, It's like, what have I been watching? Like, it's not like it doesn't make sense, but you're like, I would have never thought that this would go here. The music is incredible. It's done by Goblin. It's like very heavy synth, like 70s electronic music. Goblin is just fantastic. But that main theme for Suspiria, I was listening for like weeks. I could not stop listening to this, this film. And it's just so beautiful. You see, you hear the, it's one of those where you hear The theme, and you instantly associate it with the film. You you can't think of anything else but that film, and it's perfect. It was I'm saying perfect a lot, but I mean this is my my year-end review. Like these films stuck with me for a reason, and they're fantastic. Um, I'm almost positive that this film recently just got a four K restoration. If you can pick that up, it might have been by like Synapse, but if you can find that on Amazon or buy it on iTunes or get it at like a retail store like Sunrise Records um, or maybe like a Barnes and Noble if you're in the states I, 100% I cannot recommend this enough like it is a it is not scary but it is it is creepy it's haunting and it's so uh, memorable like every image was going to stay with you and just even the color scheme is going to stay with you Nothing is, like, brutally scary. Nothing is, like, s- suspenseful. There's some stuff that's, like, a little uncomfortable. There's stuff that's, like, a little gross. Um, but it's just, it's more it's mostly art. It's, like, watching, like, it's just beautiful. Um, I don't know. I can't really, like, give it too much justice. Just keep giving, like, adjectives but it's basically about this ballet student, this American, also too, this bugs you, because it might bug you. I know it bugs who I was watching it with. This film is an Italian film, and the way Italians do film is they just shoot the film. They just shoot it, and then they redub it later. So whether it's the original people who do the voice or somebody else who do the voice, none of the voices are gonna match the mouth. Like, the words are the same for the most part. Like, you can tell that that person said that, but the, audio for the voices sounds like it's on top of the of the visual and it's a little weird for some people but let me just get that right out of the way it's like watching like a fistful of dollars or good bad and the ugly or any other American to Italian film the, the voices are all dubbed so that's just how it is but so there's an American ballet student she transfers to this like I guess it's like an all-girls like dance school I thought it was in Italy but I guess it's in Germany Um, And then she's, like, experiencing, like, weird visions and weird things she's seeing, like, in real life. And there's, like, deaths and, like, murders. And um, basically she's just trying to figure it out and, like, escape it. Um, And where it ends up being is, like, not batshit crazy, but you wouldn't have thought that. They, they, they kind of hint to what it ends up to being, but like it just gets really weird at the end. and um, But you have to see this movie at least once. Um, it's not like rush out to go see it, but maybe next Halloween, or I always find February is a good time to put on some horror movies for some reason. Um, check this one out definitely check this one out. It's Suspiria 1977. And it's a classic too. Like, it's great. If you go to a party or something, and someone's bringing up horror movies, you can see like that smart guy. Like, yeah, have you guys, uh, you know, you push up the glasses. Like, have you guys seen uh, Suspiria? And if somebody says like, no, then you're like, oh, <laughs> well, you have to see that. And just like busted a couple facts. People are going to love it. You know, you're definitely going to be that film snob that people are like, love to hate. So yeah, check out that one, Suspiria. And another um, horror classic, this one I'll be really brief on, it's House of Wax, 1953, uh, starring Vincent Price. This is the, um, House of Wax was the first color 3D feature from a major American studio. So this was like the one that got the the boom started in the 50s, and it's still pretty easy to watch. Uh, We had it on a few weeks ago, and by a few weeks now, I mean a few months and uh yeah it was great like it's 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 dated it's definitely dated but not that way it's just like more like more or less like pacing and costuming and like just the way the the film is shot it feels dated but the the story is fine the characters like all the actors do a bang-up job the sets are cool uh, and the story translates that's the best thing about like an old film doing a period piece is that like, it doesn't matter. It'll always just kind of look and feel the same. And it it's basically about um, Vincent Price, the great Vincent Price. Oh, also before I get into this, just kind of like a fun fact, the guy who directed this, uh, Andre de Toth. this is a 3D film. Um, the Andre de Toth had one eye, one working eye, and he ended up directing one of the greatest 3D films of all time, one of the best horror films of all time. And the thing is, for 3D, you need two eyes. That's how it works. Because one eye's seeing one thing and the other one's perceiving another thing, and they're slightly off, which gives the 3D effect. So how a man with one eye directed that, it, it, it it's like one of those things, like, like what I was talking about prior with like Tame Impala. It just gives you a whole other respect and admiration for this film. Like This guy was just like, no, 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 no. We're doing it this way. We're doing it this way. He'd ask for somebody's opinion, like, does this work? And he just kept going and it's, it's, it's crazy to think like you got a guy with one eye to film a 3d film. Like no one would think of that, but anyways, so Vincent price runs a wax museum. Um, and people are like, Oh, your things are so realistic. They look beautiful, but he's, um, only doing like weird period pieces like Mary internet or the killing of like Abraham Lincoln and the guy who he's renting, room for for the wax museum he's like dude you're making like no money like i'm sick of this right like put something in that draws a crowd like put something like exploitation put some like murders in here like do something kind of like crazy and he's like no this is going to be like a an uh wax history museum and so the guy's like okay here's the scoop like you either do that or i'm going to like burn this place down and claim the insurance because the insurance is going to be like basically two years of what you're pulling in right And he's like, then you can start something else, somewhere else. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, you can't do that. Like I'm paying the bills, whatever, right? And so the guy just lights it on fire and the whole museum goes up. And then a new museum comes up and Vincent Price is there. And uh, yeah, basically this girl is looking for her friend and she swears the one doll is her friend. It looks almost like that. But Vincent Price keeps assuring her, like, no, it's not. He's, like, even proving to her it's not your friend. And so the girl goes investigating, and Vincent Price doesn't really like that. So more stuff unfolds. Other people get involved. Police get involved. Um, Vincent Price is getting a little mad because he's like, okay, this is my second museum that people are, like, interfering with, like, what the hell? And uh, then something happens, and you're like, oh, my God like even today i was like wow i did not see that coming Uh, check that out i don't know where you can get this i i'm not really sure if i feel like this would be one that shout factory released but maybe i think warner brothers has the rights yeah they produced it so maybe it came out on on blu-ray from warner brothers i don't have this one um but From what I understand, if you do get the Blu-ray disc, it has it's three D. So it has the standard and the three D version, and it also includes the original nineteen thirty three version of this film, which is actually called The Mystery of the Wax Museum. It's a little different, and um, it's got Fay Ray in it from King Kong. I've never seen the whole thing. I've seen like maybe twenty minutes of it. It's kind of cool, but this is the one to see, not the Paris Hilton one, House of Wax. Here, I know I've talked about this film before uh, on a different podcast, but check this one out uh, what do I got here so I have just clicking away here so I've got two more films on my list and then I'm gonna have like a quick um, honorable mentions and then we're gonna hopefully wrap this bad boy up within the next 20-25 minutes alright so real quick the next one I have is adaptation I watched this one right at the beginning of the year probably in January last year so just about exactly almost a year ago and this is directed by spike jones starring nick cage Um, the best part about this film is that it it heavily heavily ties into one of my favorite films which is um, being john malkovich Um, so it's about um it's basically very meta so nick cage stars as the actual writer of the film nick kaufman or Nick Kaufman. Nick Cage stars as the writer. stars is the writer of the film uh, Charlie Kaufman and um, It's got like Charlie Kaufman's like fictional brother and they're they're trying to uh, adapt a book called the Orchid Thief and It's very meta. It's you get right into like Nick Cage's like head. He's he's very anxious He's stressed He's sweaty, he has really poor social skills, he's shy, he's uncomfortable. Uh, and this is definitely like one of his best roles ever. I even rec- I recommend this film all the time. I'm like, I don't care if you don't like Nick Cage, this is like a film to watch. If people are like, I want something different, I always recommend Adaptation. It's, it's a perfect though, double feature with being John Malkovich. And they're artsy, but not, do you know what I mean? Like anybody can watch these. It's just you gotta be ready for them. It's not like you're watching like a slow burn, boring movie or something that like makes zero sense. It's just they're a little out there, I guess, for lack of better term, sometimes. Um but uh yeah. It was I couldn't stop watching it. It's one of those films. It was also like being John Malkovich the first time I watched it. I put it on kind of late at night, like, yeah, I'll just throw it on, I'll do stuff. And I didn't do anything. I just watched the film. It was so good. Um, I've watched this film now two or three times. Unfortunately, I think it just got taken off Netflix uh, maybe like five or six months ago. But you can definitely pick this up. This is definitely like a Blu-ray bin find. that You can probably find this for like five or 10 bucks. And like it was it was critically like praised. Like this isn't just me like pulling one out of left field. But I feel like this film isn't talked about enough. It's really cool like nick cage plays two different characters and i love both of the characters like charlie kaufman he, i don't know if charlie kaufman's actually actually like this or if it's meant to be like kind of like a spoof on him it, but it's pretty good and then like his fictional bro, brother donald it's like it is hilarious i couldn't get enough he's definitely the best part of the movie but it's got a lot of other good people in here too spike jones i love spike jones he's one of my favorite directors of all time he did being john Melkovich, where the wild things are her He's done a ton of music videos. He recently did like the Apple, um, one of the newest Apple commercials. He's done a lot of Beastie Boy commercials. He's great. He's really, really good, Um, but it's got Meryl Streep in here, Chris Cooper in here. Um, Who else has it got in here? Tilda Swinton is in here. Uh, Yeah, lots of good people. So. I would talk about it more, but trying to bang through this. Definitely check it out. It's called Adaptation, and this is not from 2018. This is from 2002. So it's a little old, but it's, uh, it's really, really good. Definitely check that one out. And then the final one here, it's not like the best movie I've ever seen, but i felt like i needed to include this because i could not stop thinking about it it's not like it's a bad movie but it was it was very different it felt like i was watching like a mexican version of the twilight zone like a twilight zone episode and it's called the similars or in spanish los Parasitos. this is like a really weird one it's basically without like giving too too much away because this is one i i would feel terrible uh spoiling It's like a a storm is happening and a bunch of people and I don't think they're able to communicate. I don't think phones are working. The TVs aren't working. The radios are working a little bit, but they're not like not two way just coming in. And um, so it's storming out and a bunch of different people from all different sides of the tracks are like waiting in this bus station. And then they're basically stuck in the bus station. The buses are delayed. The cabs aren't coming. No one's there to pick them up. It's like a conservative dad, a mom and her child, this like hippie, this kind of like new age, like mom, this old fart who runs the bus station. I might be missing somebody else. And um, they're all waiting for this bus to arrive. And basically everybody's kind of horrified because they're finding out their faces are all kind of changing into the same person. So like everybody's starting to look the same, but they're the same person, you know what I mean? So like a a pregnant woman is starting to get like a mustache and like short hair. And then like this old guy is getting a mustache and short hair and this kid is gonna get a mustache and short hair and they're freaking out. They're like, is it the rain? Is the government doing this? It is a great film. Um, This one I think is still on Netflix. Netflix. So check it out. Um, It's from 2015 and it is foreign. So like I say all the time, if you don't like foreign films, I'd, I would suggest to give this a try, but if you don't like foreign films, you're missing out on a good one, um, but it is foreign. It's all in Spanish. It's a Mexican film. Um, it's not long. It's an hour and a half straight, and it just feels like you're watching like an old Twilight Zone episode. So if you love Black Mirror, if you love The Outer Limits or Tales from the Crypt, it definitely feels more like Twilight Zone, but I would... I would check it out it's it's fun it um and it feels old that's what i mean when i'm saying it like not only is it like one of those stories it feels black and white it feels like a b movie it feels like you'd see this in an old like midnight theater uh it's really really cool and it's it's just like a small character piece like they don't go anywhere else but this bus stop so it was kind of cool um but yeah i couldn't stop thinking about it I, we watched this i think september maybe september or august it was really really good and i've been thinking about it still so i was like eh, i don't know if i'm gonna include it but i figured why not i'll put it in here finish it off with this and that is the similars and then um these are just kind of some honorable mentions the first one here is the ballad of buster scruggs it's a brand new film by joel and ethan cohen uh that came out on the netflix and it's like a old western An anthology basically it's like a storybook so all these like tales are being like played by a bunch of different people the reason i include this is like some are really good i think there's five stories the first three are really short and the last two are really long unfortunately the last two kind of drag in a lot of places i was starting to lose focus but the the one the movie opens up with oh my god it was like perfect i could watch that again and again it was so fun it's uh it is it is Buster Scruggs story and it's uh, he's basically like this guitar playing singing cowboy who's like the deadliest like gunslinger and it was so good. It was like perfect Cohen brother f- movie that I had missed. Like it seems with the Coens they always like direct like one great movie and then like two to three duds. It just seems always how it goes and this was like cohen brothers that i missed this first one even the second one with james franco was pretty good too but the first one if you just watch that and you're like yeah i don't feel like watching the other ones just watch that first part the ballad of buster scruggs Uh, that just came out like a couple weeks ago so it's very brand new and also too um, it's it's from 2016 it's a scottish film it's a um not a possession film but like a seance film. It's, it involves like ghosts and angels and demons and weird witch magic. It is called... the, Is it The Dark Song? No, it's called A Dark Song. Um, it wasn't like the best film I watched, but it was very different and it was very new. It was... It stuck with me. It's just this this woman who loses her child basically hires this like medium guy to... Conduct like a seance in this house and it's like old-school rituals mixed with like old-school like Catholicism and She has to go on like a strict diet and they like seal the house with salt like you can't leave And so they're going through all this stuff. It's just it's just her and this guy in a, in a house for like a year and Basically Like stuff starts ha- happening in the house like they're breaking through so they're doing all of this So they have to basically cross through different dimensions like of dark dark creatures and like demons and like ghosts and all this stuff they're trying to do this so she can summon her guardian angel to either i can't remember anymore if it's to get revenge or to like i think no i think it's to see her son she wants to see her son again um and so they're trying to summon her guardian angel and it just gets like really weird and basically if you like do anything wrong you like summon bad luck. So you have to do everything right. Otherwise, like every every um, action has a reaction. So it gets, it's so slow at the beginning and I, I mean this in a good way. And then all of a sudden, it, like once it starts picking up, it's like, it just keeps going. You're like, oh man, oh man, oh man. And then at the end it gets so brutal and you're like, oh my God, I did not think this was gonna happen. And then it's over. and. It, it was really weird i felt so bad because i was like oh i have a good one i watched it with a girlfriend and her parents i was like this is a good one and like i like lost my movie privileges after that because i'm always like yeah here's a good one i would never seen it but it's got good reviews and we watch it and like it's like oh it's all right it's boring and whatever i enjoyed it but i mean it's it's not for everybody um if you're expecting like a scary movie that's not the one and if you're expecting like a really good ghost story that's not the one but if you want a good drama this is the one um, it's uh, a dark song um and then real quick uh still alice i watched um i wasn't really wanting to watch it uh, I'd been told for a few years to watch Still Alice, and I was like, I don't really want to because it deals with um, memory loss and, like, uh, I, I can't remember if it's, I think it's Alzheimer's, and it was really tough to watch. But Julianne Moore does a amazing performance. Uh, Alec Baldwin is in it, too. Yeah, it was hard to watch, but not because it was a bad movie. She knocked it out of the park. It was It was very, very well made and um yeah i thought about this for a while and it's definitely like an honorable mention not one of my favorite films but it deserves to be talked about and to be seen and to finish off as i'd mentioned before a little earlier in the podcast it is a quiet place um wasn't one of my favorite movies but seeing bird box gave me a lot of new perspective and admiration for the film when i first saw it i thought it was great Um, i didn't think it was like the best movie I've ever seen, as almost every movie now that comes out is kind of like praised as, but um, it was something fresh, and uh, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Um, John Krasinski is always great. Emily Blunt's really good. Um, a lot of weird decisions in the movie, both like from an outside perspective and like watching the film. I didn't make didn't make sense, um, but yeah that's that's a good one if you didn't give it a chance definitely give it a chance now uh, so what are we at here holy Jesus! an hour 40 Whew. well I guess I can just quick breeze through the shows because I don't have many and then I'll just finish it off I guess we're gonna do a two-hour episode sorry I really don't want to do two-hour episodes anymore I'm kind of trying to aim for an hour, hour and a half but uh yeah, Got to keep on chugging here. I guess it makes up for all of December basically that I didn't have anything come out So I've mentioned it a few times now um, Black Mirror go watch it, please there's three episodes in one season three episodes in another one Christmas special six and six and then now bandersnatch which is like an interactive movie i'm thinking i'm going to do my next mini episode on bandersnatch i was going to do it right right at the gate but i'm going to need some time it is a long movie it's five hours of filming and the one movie watching experience is only an hour and a half so it takes a while to get through um i definitely think i'm going to do an episode on that but black mirror came out uh, at the very end or maybe the very beginning no, I think it came out the very end of 2017, um, six episodes, two of those episodes won like a lot of Emmys, Golden Globes, very, very good. The show is fantastic and the, the, it's kind of like the scariest part of the show is all of them are believable. Like they all take like a little bit of technology or a little bit of our social lives that we have now and they just amp it up to 11 and they're like, yeah, this could happen. And you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want that. And they're like, yeah, tough shit. Like, it's probably going to happen unless, like, everybody makes a change. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, there's episodes. The one Archangel is, like, the mom puts, like, a tracking device uh, on her daughter or, like, a camera. So she can, like, control what her daughter sees, what her daughter does, where her daughter's going. And, like, her daughter, like, eventually goes, like, she goes crazy. Like, she's had enough. And she smashes it. She doesn't want to be followed. And the mom is, like, going berserk. And it's, oh, my gosh. That episode is just It's not far-fetched, and it's so good. I recently just finished Black Mirror. I thought I'd watch them all. I didn't actually watch the first episode. And the very first episode is the episode that usually turns everyone away from the show, which is like, I'm like, why start it with this? And that is the, excuse my language, the pig fucking episode. Like the prime minister has to have sex with a pig in order to save a princess. And it just shows like how social media, like, Basically controls our life like not just social media, but like the web like viral like you can't escape stuff because Everybody's got access to watch it. They have access to view to like say their opinion and basically like this guy They keep looking for different outs. So he doesn't have to do it and Nothing works like they keep trying stuff and nothing works or the guy who's setting up like this Kidnapping like finds out and it's like oh my gosh, and you feel so bad for that prime minister because like yeah i get that like it's not like simple anymore you can't just be like no i'm not going to do that because everybody already knows what the deal is and everybody's viewing their opinions and saying their opinions and you have people from other countries saying their opinions oh my gosh but yeah lots of good ones um there's like the death museum or the dark museum i can't remember what that episode's called that's a great one um There's, like, the USS Callister, as I talked about in my last episode. That's a really good episode. What else was one I really liked? There's one episode I couldn't get enough of. Oh, yeah. Another episode is Hang the DJ. That one was actually... All of these episodes, by the way... So if you're going in to watch, like, something that's, like, a fun show, it's a great show to watch, but almost none of them have a happy ending. Even if the ending is, like, positive, it's never, like good. It's never like a fun, happy like ending. Hang the DJ is one of those episodes that actually has a good ending. It's a really good episode. Um, and also it is called Black Museum. It's not called Dark Museum. That is a really, really great episode. Um, if you haven't seen Bandersnatch, watch Bandersnatch. Um, and then also too, um, Hated in the Nation is another good one. And that one is like very realistic. Like it's a bunch of bees the bees go extinct, and then we have to make robotic bees because we just didn't stop killing bees, which is like, yep, yeah, I can believe that. Like, You see the numbers for bees are going down like drastically every year, and people are like, yeah, we should do something, but nothing happens. And uh, basically it shows you can't replace <laughs> bees. You can't replace nature with technology. It doesn't work. That's basically what it shows. Check out Black Mirror if you haven't. It's like it's there's not a lot of episodes there's 12 6 18 so there's like 18 19 episodes and then like a movie so you could easily get through all of them in like a month so yeah they're really really good what else did I have on here oh Nathan for you Nathan for you just end it it's a comedy show it's probably the it was probably one of the funniest shows on TV Um, if you don't know the premise, it's Nathan Fielder. He is a Canadian, uh, business graduate who does like really obscure and over the top methods to like save businesses, um, or to like help businesses. And, uh, I think they did four seasons maybe. And each one is like really, really funny. Um, yeah, without going into too much detail, when you watch some of the stuff, you can't even believe like it's, it's happening. Unfortunately though, he's done. He's done now. That was the last season, unfortunately. That was his choice. Um, but yeah, you can pick these up. I think that a DVD just came out uh, that has all of them, plus like extra scenes. I haven't seen those yet, but apparently they're hilarious, like really, really great. Um, but yeah, don't take my word for it. I think you can find some stuff on YouTube. Uh, go watch some, some samples on uh, iTunes. It's uh, Nathan For You. It is like dry, deadpan humor, and it's He's just like so cutthroat too and like plain face and he plays like almost like a fictionalized version of himself and The lengths he will go to for these companies is like it's like it almost seems like Unbelievable really he's hilarious. It's a very good show Nathan for you go check it out four seasons. Not very long I think there's like six episodes in each season um, the, but the amount of work he had to put in, like, I bet you each season takes like two years to make and, uh, it pays off cause like they're amazing. Other than that, uh, the only show really that I watched was, um, dark tourist, the dark tourist on Netflix. I caught like the tail end of it, like four episodes. I think there's eight really, really cool. This guy just does like a bunch of stuff that like most normal people would not do. Um, Like whether it be like travel to Chernobyl and look at that or uh, go to like um, a rural America to be like tortured or going to Malaysia to watch like a burial or watching a mass sacrifice or going to um, shoot a cow in like Cambodia. Like this guy is doing like the dark stuff that real people actually do. And he is not only like really funny, but he's just a madman the fact that he's going to do all this stuff and some of the stuff is like he keeps such a like a a positive head on his shoulders though the whole time he's going through it and i got it i can't like i have to admit like some of the stuff he did i wouldn't have been like drawn to do before but like now that i've seen i was like you know what maybe i would travel to some of these places just to do this stuff and I don't know if they're going to do a second season, but I really hope so. Because from what I saw, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to be finishing that up. Yeah, so Dark Tourist. I had a couple other things on here, but we're running really, really long on time. So I think that's it. So that's TV, that's movies, that's music. So um, yeah, let me just quick say um, for this podcast, I know I've been like all over the place with like episodes coming out. Um, like uh, three or four come out in a month and then two come out, then one comes out. It's just, it's all over the place and consistency is key. So I think for this year, I'm really, really going to push to really boost social media and boost the episodes. So if that means the episodes have to be a little bit shorter or, um, I have one episode and one minisode come out like per month, I think that's what I'm going to have to do. Uh, consistency is key. So I'm going to try and have one come out. Or two come out every month. If I can get more out, great. Um, (laughs) I might be out of work soon or find some free times and uh, I'll just get those done. Like I'll pump them out. Even if I have to like record a couple in like one one month, it's just so I get it done. Like if I know I'm gonna be busy, that's what I'm gonna have to do. Like this can't just be like a hobby where like I record one whenever I feel like it, because eventually nobody's gonna listen to this. and I'm hoping to eventually to maybe go back in and like my last, like my first, second, third, maybe even my third episode, now that I'm getting a little bit better with the editing, the sound, um, flow, um, and editing just in general, I might've said editing twice, we'll see, um, I might go redo those episodes and re-upload them because they're all over the place for sound, the volume's crazy, the pacing is off, um, so I'm not gonna like redo them, but I might clean them up like I'm not gonna George Lucas them But maybe I'll like Steven Spielberg them um, So and then also too, just to give a couple topics to look forward to so you're not just like waiting around um, Right now. I'm planning on doing a my Tron volume 2 um, to you know finish up the Tron volume 1 uh, films of Guillermo del Toro uh, Robocop in the Robocop series uh, the Underworld series, James Bond, and hopefully with those two, I'll have either a different host because it's just a conversation for one. You're not always going to be listening to me, Tyler Horlings. You might be listening to guest A or guest B, fill it out. Like, if they're passionate about something more passionate than me, and it's something I think people want to hear about, um, then by all means, like, I'll let them record. Um, so whether I have a guest or another host for the Underworld and James Bond or nothing at all, it might just be me. Um, that's something to maybe look forward to. Um, I know I've had people reach out to me, as I've said before, to guest on other shows and to guest on this show. Um, so definitely look forward to that. Also too, with Godzilla, I definitely have uh, one person in mind for that and, uh, It might not be the only godzilla episode i might do like a bunch of godzilla episodes but godzilla's on the list i'm definitely going to talk about the dc film universe um for foreign horror essentials i think that would be a pretty good one uh bioshock game of thrones uh obscure disney films um i might talk about like uh the raimi spider-man trilogy that's something i really care about um you know i i got lots it's like so don't ever think like I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt. Like I have a lot of stuff here and uh, I'm working on this thing all the time. So just uh, just know that. Uh, so real quick, I have uh, some shout outs. I meant to do the shout out on the last show, but I didn't get to it. And um, on my Tron episode, I had a really, really great guy uh, reach out to me to offer me a gift. And it wasn't just any gift. This was a Tron coin. So I guess um, in Disneyland, they had an event when Tron Legacy came out called Electronica. And to get into this, sorry, I'm just kind of rustling it around here. They gave out a token and the token said Electronica and it said Flynn's Arcade. Now these things are like priceless by the way. Like you can't find them on Amazon. They're super expensive on eBay. And a guy messaged me and he's like, hey, do you want one? And I was like, you're kidding. And he's like, no, I'll give it to you, I swear. Um, like. It sounds like you would love this, and it honestly was like the most touching thing. It was so 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 nice of him. Um, I hope I'm getting the name right. It's Chad either Neeson or Nielsen. I don't know if that's an L. Um, the guy is super super nice. You can find him on Reddit. His uh, it's user forgot password 69, or you can find him on um, on sorry. You can find them on hackerpublicradio.org, which is actually a pretty cool site. I might put some stuff on there. It's a uh, community podcast, actually. So, and anybody can put, anybody can post an episode on there. Um, So, and it's new episodes constantly through Monday and Friday. And this guy, um, Chad, goes by the name Kuvmo, Q-U-V-M-O-H, and he's got a lot of stuff on there. He's got, what's he got, 15 episodes on there? So if you want to check him out, go to Hacker Public Radio. Uh, That's HackerPublicRadio.org and check out Kuvmo, Q-U-V-M-O-H. He seems to do a lot of cool stuff with fiber optics. And uh, yeah, I can't think of him enough. He sent this thing from Boise, Idaho, which if you want it to know, is 705 hours of walking if he was to walk it to me or 3,470 kilometers. Thank goodness he didn't walk it to me. He sent it to me, uh, which was still very, very nice. And he sent it to me a long time ago. It has got sent November 17th. So thank you again, Chad. And uh, I'll definitely mention your podcast in future episodes too. Um, again, super, super nice of you. I really appreciate it. It sits on my desk when I record all the time. It's one of my favorite things. So thank you to Chad. Also too, unsponsored sponsors. Um, check out um the art of horror and also to the art of horror movies i didn't know this but the art of horror is like out of print so to get one of these books now is like 110 130 bucks so it might be hard to find but if you can find one definitely pick it up it's beautiful i got this either for one of my birthdays or christmas a couple years ago oh it's gorgeous it's got a uh a forward by neil gaiman actually and uh it's like art just in general, like masks, paintings, posters, movie um, memorabilia, uh, costumes, tons of stuff, comics, everything. It's really, really great. Um, But more so I got for Christmas this year from my lovely girlfriend, The Art of Horror Movies, also written by Stephen Jones or Stephen Jones. And this has an actual foreword by John Landis, like the John Landis of thriller and American Werewolf in London fame. Uh, I think he actually also did um, Schlock, which is kind of a cool one, but um, this one is great. This is like tons of beautiful poster work, um, movie art. It's got like this long, long, um, it's like, so these are all coffee table books. And when you open it up for this one page, it goes by decades. And I don't know if Art of Horror goes by decades, but Horror Movies does, which is like amazing. I think it's like from the 30s all the way to now. So when you open up to the 50s, it's like this huge spread of uh, Godzilla underwater and with like a diver with like the oxygen destroyer. And it's just so beautiful, like vibrant greens, like dark blues and blacks and like, f- like a phosphorus yellow almost. Oh, it's just so beautiful. And then all of the... All of the prints, everything they have in here, all of the stuff they show, like it's got detailed information, uh, like writeouts. And but all of the posters they show and all of the art are very crisp, very clean. The paper is glossy. It like the book is well made. I, I couldn't have been any more happy. Like it was like one of the best gifts that I've gotten for any Christmas ever in my life. Just oh, it's just a beautiful book. It's, like I almost like hate looking at it because it's like I'm like I'm gonna ruin this like piece of like art. Um, but that one's cheaper. You can pick that one up. It's, it's newer. It was just printed in 2017. You can pick that one up for like 30 bucks on Amazon. So definitely check that out by Steven or Stefan Jones. Uh, the art of horror movies is just a beautiful, beautiful book. And speaking of beautiful, beautiful books, I, um, for another unsponsored sponsor real quick arrow video, they are like, number two only to maybe Criterion Collection, their stuff is like beautiful. Um, They just, they actually released um, like a huge edition of Crimson Horror, uh, not Crimson Horror, The Crimson Peak um, by Guillermo del Toro. It's not my favorite del Toro movie, but it is like aesthetically and like thematically like beautiful, That is a beautiful film. It's probably one of his most linear films, but the set, the costume, the, the character design, the hair, the makeup, Just the overall vibe of the film, like tonally, it is just so gothic, so beautiful, so macabre. And the release they got for this film is a massive book. And it is jam-packed, like leaking out of it with the commentaries and documentaries and features and specials. It's just jam-packed. And it is like beautiful. Just the film, like the case alone is beautiful as art. It's so nice check that out i don't know i i uh i bought it as soon as it was like announced so it was a special edition i don't know if that special edition is widely available or if it's out of print now but even if they release like a standard edition of this without like the box set try to get like the the because it is beautiful but just the features alone, check that out arrow video and it's probably going to be a little pricey for a movie but check that out And, uh, also too, um, this has nothing to do with anything I've been talking about, but on Instagram, check out, um, Amari club, A M A R I C L U B. Um, they, I love bitters like bitters and soda. Like I'm an old Italian man. Um, and it's like constantly showing like new bitters to check out new recipes for bitters. Um, what's up and coming like stuff to try and it is just great it's a great little uh, instagram account they release like a new post probably like once every week week and a half and if you're looking for something new to drink or you love bitters check that out (laughs) i just felt like i needed to say it like as if this podcast isn't running long enough but check that out Um, bitters is exactly what it sounds like it's almost sometimes they're sweet sometimes they're a little strong but it's basically just like it tastes almost like grapefruit rind like it's a very easy thing to drink um, but then they're not usually sweet unless you get like an Amaral. Um, they're not usually too, too sweet, but so that's it for unsponsored sponsors. And then actually, um, for sponsors, I actually do have, a, a sponsor this week and that sponsor is Outra apparel, um, which is a brand new clothing and accessories brand. Uh, this company produces some very sharp looking clothing with high quality material and production. And honestly, it feels incredibly soft and you can tell it's well-made and it gets better. Outra is a supporter of the mental health community. Outra stands uh, actually for open up to raise awareness. And when you purchase anything from them, 10%, of that means 10% of anything you purchase of it goes directly to mental health research and awareness, which is actually, that's pretty good. They have shirts, hats, hoodies. And a lot more from what I can tell uh, for both sexes, like different designs and stuff. It's really great. Uh, I know personally, um, I'm actually <laughs> eyeing one of the uh, green uh, hoodies. They look fantastic. So if you're interested in it at all, um, this stuff actually looks really great. Like they are a sponsor, but I, I'm definitely going to pick up something. So if you want to find anything from Outra, check them out on Instagram at Outra Apparel. That's O-U-T-R-A a p p a r e l and you can also find uh anything that you need from them and order from them online on their website outraapparel.ca. and i'll make sure i include a link on uh on instagram for sure maybe on my soundcloud but yeah honestly guys it's a really good thing great looking clothing high quality and it goes to mental health awareness and research and honestly it can't get better than that so yeah that's finally you know sorry it's such a long one but uh We're going to wrap this up. So, um, yep. So you can find this podcast, uh, depending on what you're listening, where you're listening to this. You can find me on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and uh, Google Play Music. And now on Spotify. I'm now on Spotify. It took me a little bit, but I'm on Spotify. Uh, That's A Conversation for One Podcast. So make sure that you include the podcast in there. You can find me on Instagram at acfo podcast and on Twitter at ACFO Podcasts. And if you have any questions, concerns, uh, topic suggestions, anything, uh, you can email me at ACFOPodcast at gmail.com. Um, this episode was written and produced by me, Tyler Horlings, and was also produced by the super amazing Victoria Chubb. So thanks again, and uh, I'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Make sure you keep checking up for updates. Thanks, everybody. Tyler out.